Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. It's Tuesday, the 4th of July, um, with myself, Shajil Ahmed, and also Zakaria Sheikh as well. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing this, this afternoon? Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be upon you too. Um, yeah, alham- alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I'm doing well. Um, how are you, brother? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all good. And, uh, you know, it's some interesting topics um, that we're going to be that we're going to be talking about um, today. Firstly, in the first hour, first hour, we're talking about alcohol. Is there a need for change? Um, that's a question that we're asking you as well. We're going to be talking about alcohol and different things which are related to this, such as substance abuse and also the, the effects of alcohol and how you know let's face it how damaging alcohol um can actually can actually be other intoxicants can also be damaging as well but specifically uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on uh, on alcohol and its uh, its its abuse as well, as well as medical impacts um such as uh, you know the long term and short term impacts as well how you're not just you yourself suffer but other people around you your family members mm. also suffer as well it's not just about that but your pocket also suffers financial it can become a financial burden yeah. as well people can become so addicted to it mm-hmm. that people can't live without it yeah. um and why we need a change i mean one question is why we need to change and then when we establish the reason that we do need the change or we do need a change how can we bring about a sort of change as well um, and in the second part of the show, around five o'clock or so, we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about. We're continuing on our theme for the for 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 the ten conditions of birth, which are you know if the oath of allegiance to somebody wants to become part of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, he was the promised Messiah, the awaited Mahdi, the Imam of the age. He upon whom be peace. He laid out these 10 conditions that anyone who wants to become a member of the community anybody who wants to join the community he has to or she has to um, abide by or try his best or her best to live their life in accordance with these rules and these rules are the same rules as given to us by the founder of islam the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him so we've covered the first uh, the first sort of pledge or the first condition I can say and in today's show we're going to be talking about the third condition um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on as well but uh, in terms of uh, alcohol and its abuse do you know anyone who's been affected by alcohol and one thing that you sort of resorted to was that you know let's go alcohol free I mean the, the listeners um uh, if 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 there is anyone who wants to come out there and 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 express their their views their concerns their 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 sort of uh, their story if they want to share with us as well zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you uh, push the buttons and you will get through as well Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran in chapter two verse two hundred and twenty they ask thee concerning wine and the game of hazard say in both there is great sin and also some advantages for men, but their sin is greater than their advantage. Now, the effects of alcohol impacts uh, m- millions, millions of people every year, and yet alcohol 
is the center of social activities, especially when we talk about Western society as well. Like I said, some people, you know, they can't have a good time without alcohol. Yeah. They have to. They have to drink alcohol. Mm. They have to get drunk or a little bit uh, tipsy, maybe. And uh, you know, they have to. Otherwise, if they don't, if they, if everyone is sober, then they say that no, you know. What's the point of such a gathering where there's no drinks going around? Yeah, especially when they went to Qatar, right? Was it Qatar yes. where, where the they World had Cup the happened, World yeah. Cup happened? And uh, I mean, the people who were not around alcohol, uh, you know, people actually went out outside the town and, 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 and had alcohol over there where it was um, permissible. But then, you know, you can live without it. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, alcohol is something that actually destroys you um, slowly, slowly, and it, it is uh, also um, you know, associated with many other things. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and sometimes, when I see some some beggars on the streets, right, you know, they won't have any anything, any money, and they will be begging. But next to them, I'll see you'll see a few bottles of alcohol. Yeah, right. So yeah. addicted are they that they don't Literally. have. And, and it's not alcohol is not uh, an ordinary drink. It's it's more expensive than other drinks, right? So it's uh, it's definitely very very harmful for you for your for your well being for for your wealth for your health, um, and and this week uh, from the third of July to the ninth uh, of July is also mm. known as the Alcohol yeah. Awareness Week, um, which is running a campaign with Alcohol Change UK. Yeah, and every year over five thousand workplaces. Uh, public health te- teams, uh, GP surgeries, hospitals, pharmacies, uh, charities, and also other community groups, you know, sign up to use resources to raise awareness about the mm. uh, consequences of alcohol and, and, and the need for the change. I mean, uh, alcohol is also proven to influence people in the variety of ways, you know, for example, medically, uh, financially, socially. It has also familial problems, familial difficulties. And these are a few, uh, you know, that we, we are mentioning, but the alcohol has so many uh, issues in the society, you know. And uh, the reason why we are talking about this is because mm. our faith, uh, Islam, um, you know, before, if you look at the history, you see that, uh, you know, that the Arabs back in the days, they were indulged in, in drinking alcohol yeah. and they were very, um, you know, it was a, a part of their lifestyle, but they were very obedient to the Prophet. Mm. And the moment it was forbidden, they stopped drinking alcohol. And, and you yeah. saw from their evil deeds and, and, and the immoralities that they had, which was, um, you know, uh, because of alcohol, that suddenly, you know, went because you know they were in their senses when they were not drinking mm. alcohol yeah. right yeah yeah so islam you know has often emphasized the consequences of intoxications and in today's show we will look into some of the consequences that alcohol has of course mm. uh, obviously talking about if somebody has a problem of being an alcoholic right it's yeah. it's, it's it is a difficult uh, thing to actually talk about. Uh, some people may not want to, you know, talk about it yeah. at all. So, so you know, if 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 you think that you need the support, you should definitely try your best to to get that support as well. But obviously, mm. talking about these problems, 
is quite uh, you know it is quite difficult yeah. at times as well, especially when it comes to abuse, right? Mm. If somebody is is receiving or is at the end of receiving or is being be, being a victim of alcohol abuse, maybe from maybe from a friend or a, or a family member, then that can be quite a, a, a sort of a tragic story as well. Yeah, to definitely. actually talk about. We've got Raj with us, who's going to talk tell us a little bit more. Uh, but Zoj is from the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon. And welcome to the show, Raj. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you just start off by by telling us what ways are children affected by by parents who drink? Yeah. So I think if I start with the statistic first, mm. um, it's quite staggering. Research at the moment suggests one in five children in the UK are currently living with a parent who drinks hazardously. So that is a very significant number if we really take that into account. Mm. Um, and then based further on research, so calls made to the NACOA helpline and research that's been carried out to date, that should be a breakdown. And again, some really shocking figures here. Children in these households we're looking at are six times as likely to witness domestic violence, twice as likely to experience difficulties at school, twice as likely to develop alcohol dependency or their own addiction problems, and unfortunately twice as likely to be in trouble with the police. So there's a lot of issues here, and I think it's very important that we look that this sort of hazardous drinking affects the entire family. It's almost as if that alcohol-dependent parent organises their life around alcohol, and then the rest of the family is having to organise their life around coping with that family member. Hmm. And it can become a quite a difficult task as well, isn't it? Um, do you think that people are comfortable about sort of coming out and openly speaking about their drinking problems? No, I think unfortunately, I think there's still a lot of barriers um, out there. Um, I think there's a lot of factors here that we're looking at just from the research and just the range of things, fear of judgment, stigma, shame. I mean, really importantly as well, not even knowing who can you speak to, mm. what services are even available to get help and support. So I think looking at the conversations we're having today, having conversations and normalising it. So if you are experiencing this, whether you're that parent or you're that child of a parent, then you know that actually it's okay for me to talk. And actually, I am going to get help if I do talk about this. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, that initial stage or that sort of getting someone started in regards to this, you know, can be the trickier part as well. But then once you mm-hmm. do open up, then it can become quite easy to talk about your problems as well. Um, what are the mental and physical problems that come with drinking for both parents? And, and, and of course, you know, the effects that, that that has on the children. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. And um, just touching again, we... we Hmm. Some more figures that are really stark, so um, just sensitive warning here, but children are three times as likely in these households to consider suicide, five times as likely to develop eating disorders, and looking again at the calls we're getting to the helpline, mental well-being, those concerns, when we look at the data even further, issues such as anxiety, stress, depression, fearfulness, loneliness, so these are research participants and helpline callers who are reporting these problems. So that's yeah. obviously from a mental health aspect. Um, and then just looking at physically in terms of 
what is happening when that person is hazardously drinking, um, the lack of money in the household. So often, unfortunately, the money is then being prioritised and spent on the alcohol. So it's leaving that child and the rest of the family's basic needs, maybe even food and clothing. Mm. Um, that's just a second thought. Um, that unpredictable behaviour that we're seeing where there's a lack of structure, unfortunately, in the household and the inconsistency, not knowing how that parent's mood's going to be that day when you come back from school. So it's, again, having that mental impact on a child when they're entering back into the house and the rest of the family members. And then there's this further confusing layer where the family are coming together and almost like colluding to cover up the the, the issue because, Hmm. again, back to that stigma, the unknown, where do we talk about this? So it can cause a lot of issues um, mentally and physically for the the child and family members. And then just essentially, I guess, if there is aggression, unfortunately, in the household, yeah, physical, physical aggression, yeah. Raj, lastly then... How can what can we do then? How can we raise more awareness um, uh, about this issue? Yeah, absolutely. So I think really importantly, it's talk. I know it sounds like mm. what more can be done, but we need to keep having these conversations again. As I said, really understanding how that person's dependency and issue can impact the wider family, just as we've mentioned today, and then the importance of getting getting the help but also needing to keep talking so we can break those barriers and as you mentioned if you know that this is a normalized conversation and actually it's not just in this household it's happening in other households it's giving that person the confidence and also um that yeah the knowledge to where to go and again signposts because i think you can always say yeah, let's talk but where are we going for help so we can signpost to relevant services um, and get that person not only talking but also say look there is help you and this is where you can go I think that's really important and I just want to end on the important messages here you're not alone and you're really not so whether you're that child or that person who's going with addiction issue just know the risk of call you need to reach out and start talking more um, but yeah thank you this is why talking like you are today it's really really helpful and important well, thank you, Raj, for actually con- contributing to the to the show as well and raising awareness on your side as well. Thank you so much once again. Peace be upon you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. So I think, you know, it's, it is really important, isn't it, that we don't just, uh, you know, just brush it under the carpet. If somebody has a problem, then f- face this problem. And I know it can be a difficult, a difficult situation as well, a difficult task to actually come out and speak, um, especially to sort of a, you know, a psychiatrist or, or you know, getting therapy in regards to this as well. But uh, if, it, if it needs to be done, then it needs to be done. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're spending so much money on, on this and you have a problem and you're just going in, you're going in minuses, you're going in debt just because you have a drinking problem, you just can't let go. Or there could be other issues as well, such as, you know, abuse, physical abuse, mental yeah. abuse as well. So, there are a lot of down factors as well, and you know we started the show off with the you know with the with the a verse of the Holy Quran as well, where Allah the Almighty says that in both, such as talking about wine, alcohol, right, and mm. in the game of hazards, just gambling, yep. in both there is great sin, and also some advantages for men, but their sin is greater than their advantage. So yeah. yes, there are some advantages in it, but the 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 disadvantages outweigh the advantages by by a landslide by so much yeah and we need to understand that 
And this is the reason why Allah the Almighty has told us that, you know, you do not go or you do not consume alcohol. You do not gamble. Um, gambling is, you know, is linked to this, but that's yeah. a different topic. So we're not, I'm not going to mm-hmm. go into too much detail in, in that regards. But when talking about alcohol, it's it's forbidden in Islam. Mm-hmm. This is why, you know, and intoxicants as well. It's not just alcohol. Yeah. You know, it's funny because here in the West, we say, or they say, or obviously not us, they say that, you know, you're not allowed to smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to uh, sniff cocaine. You're mm-hmm. not allowed to take other drugs, take shrooms or whatever, yeah. right? But then they say that alcohol is completely fine. You know, you reach the age of 21, you can buy alcohol. It's fine. Yeah. You just need ID. <laughs> you can buy it. And I think you actually, I think you can be 18 actually. Maybe younger, yeah. I think yeah. you can buy alcohol when you're 18. Or no, I think you can consume alcohol when you're 18, but you can only buy it when you're 21. Something mm. like that. I'm not okay. sure about the rules 100%. But let's just say 18. Legally, you can have alcohol. Mm. I mean, if we you know look at what's happening around the world where, where, where alcohol has been the main cause of distress. Hmm. You know, we see, you know, this and that happening here and there. People, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, and a lot of people um, being being the victim of this as well. So, yeah. I mean, how can you say that one drug is not allowed, that's illegal, but so, sort of the same thing, you know, the same sort of uh, outcome, that substance is legal? Yeah. It, it baffles me. It, it baffles me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's very funny. I mean, uh, not just Islam, but other religion as well. Even in in the Bible, it's 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 mentioned that it's harmful for you. So, um, but when it comes to Islam, when it's something is forbidden, then uh, you know Muslims they try to restrain from it at all. You know? Yeah, and and completely. this is what we completely and this is what Islam teaches, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, as you said, it has. Uh, alcohol has also medical impact as well, right? Yeah. Um, and when we look at one of the ahadiths or one of the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, the Holy Prophet uh, was asked by Suwaid, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, about wine and and uh, and and why God forbade uh, mankind from yeah. from wine, from right? This, yeah. um, when he told him that he used it only as a medicine, as in so I only use it as a medicine, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, replied that it is not a medicine, but it is a disease. Mm. I mean, if, if if you allow something and say that, okay, there is a positive side as well, so yeah. just use it, then, you, then know, you know, everyone would misuse that. Misuse there there that. will come a time where, you know, you say, oh, no, this amount is doesn't have any effect on me. I need to have some more. Some more, so yes. Then there will always be, that, I mean, that threshold will go up and up and up. But, mm. you know, there will come a time where, you know, you would definitely misuse that. Misuse as well. it, yeah. Let's, let's continue this because this is quite interesting as well, a little bit later on. But let's uh, speak to our next guest who's on the line with us, Andrew Missile, the director for Wales at Alcohol Change UK. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start off by telling our listeners about Alcohol Awareness Week and, and how different public organisations can get, actually come together and get involved as well? Well, Alcohol Awareness Week um, comes around once a year in, in July and we'd certainly encourage you know all kinds of organisations to, to, to get involved in whichever way really suits them. Uh, if people want to go and have a look at the Alcohol Change UK website, you can sign up there 
uh, for materials. Obviously, a lot of local uh, public health teams get involved trying to raise awareness in their in their town or the local areas and um, other sort of faith and community groups. Um, and there's a lot of information there um, to, to, that you can use during Alcohol Awareness Week. But obviously, you could you know you can approach it in your in your own way. You can think about the the issues that uh, you're seeing in your own community. Uh, and how how you want to go about addressing them? I mean, the theme that we've we've picked for this year's Alcohol Awareness Week is is about the cost of alcohol, and we're thinking about those costs in a in a very broad way, both the uh, the amount of money that someone might spend on alcohol in in, in a lifetime, hmm. and also the the cost of drinking that someone might experience in terms of their health, and also in terms of the effect that drinking has on the people around them. Um, uh, their relationships and how they might behave towards others, towards loved ones and family members, if if they're drinking to excess. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about the a little bit about the effects of uh, of uh, of of alcohol abuse, we know that there are physical effects of drinking excessive alcohol. But what about the financial implications of uh, or, you know w- which actually affect the victim and also the the wider society? Oh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's possible to spend, you know, an, an enormous amount on alcohol uh, in, uh, in d- during a lifetime. And uh, I guess one of the things we, we're encouraging people to, to think about is whether they might want to, you know, direct that money uh, t- to something else. Mm. I mean, obviously, you know, there are other, you know, other needs that you might want to meet, uh, needs of, uh, of your family and those around them, other pleasures you might want to have in life. Or, or you might want to think about, you know, directing some of that money towards some sort of um, uh, uh, social good. I think it's just hmm. worth, you know, emphasizing, certainly from the sums uh, we, we've done, we found that the average drinker is spending, I think, was something like 60 or 70,000 pounds a year on alcohol. And obviously, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a big sum of money that yeah. you, you might want to think about using for something else. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And, and uh, what more is Alcohol Change UK doing to help raise awareness about excessive drinking what are the things that uh, you know uh, it is doing to stop people using it um, especially who wants to get rid of it yeah i mean certainly we we've got you know campaigns and initiatives running throughout the year you know we just talked about alcohol awareness week we've got the dry january challenge at the start of the year which is for people who we do drink alcohol and uh, want to take a month off or want to, you know, cut down and, and, and moderate. And we also run initiatives like, uh, like for example, our Blue Light Programme, which is about supporting uh, the police and the NHS and local authorities to work with people whose lives, whose lives have become very chaotic on account of very heavy drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly the sort of people you might see um, you know, drinking on the street during the day uh people who um alcohol has taken over their lives and and they need, they really need a helping hand to um to to get out of that situation and 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 to try and recover so it's really a a, a range of work that we do during the year yeah definitely um and uh, as individuals what more can we do um uh, as a society to raise awareness and to stop excessive drinking I think it's always worth being uh, being willing to um, you know, to have these open and sympathetic conversations with, with people about drinking. I mean, obviously, uh, within the Holy Quran, there's a there's a clear 
prohibition on on the use of alcohol and and you know reasoning given behind that that, that the harm is 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 greater than the benefit yeah. um uh which which is often very true uh, but uh, we know as well that even within communities such as the the Muslim community, uh, where alcohol is is haram, it's it's not allowed. Problems will still arise. People will still get into difficulties with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us can make sure that we're being sympathetic, you know, compassionate, merciful towards people uh, when they are experiencing alcohol problems, and really being willing to talk openly and honestly. As, yeah. as as adults about the role alcohol plays in society, um, you know, without judging anyone, but mm. just how we could all help those who do drink to drink moderately and also support people who don't want to drink as well. Yeah. Um, and not, not uh, you know, not stigmatize someone perhaps for not fitting in. And I know that's, that's something that um, some Muslims have said to me that they... Um, sometimes feel that they get shut out of some social situations because there's an expectation you should have alcohol, mm-hmm. and I think that's something as a as a country, as a society, we need to, we need to change definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you, thank you very much, Andrew. No, no problem at all. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call if you want to uh, tell us uh, what you think in regards to this as well. Do you think that there's little awareness or we need to raise more awareness in regards to this as well? Um, give us a give us a call. Uh, we've got our next guest who's on the line with us. Let's speak. Let's speak to Alice Alice Campbell, who's the insight manager at Humankind Charity. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Talking about people who are struggling to control their their alcohol intake, what what practical advice would you give to those people who are um, struggling to to control this? Yeah, so if I can talk more from a family point of view, um, because I think my colleague Danny is going to come on shortly. Um, So I think from a family point of view, um, we need to really acknowledge that there is a ripple effect to family members um, and they experience a range of things if they have a loved one that's drinking. So that could be stress, anxiety, depression, physical health problems, things like that. So I think it's really important that family, friends and carers who have a loved one that's drinking know that there is support available to them and that they can talk about their stresses and strains that they may be experiencing. Um, Do you think that... uh to some extent, the society and the culture that we are part of, for example, uh, in the university where drinking culture is considered normal? Yeah, I, I think, I think unfortunately, alcohol is very normalized in, in society and we kind of look to it for a celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of events uh, are kind of um, have alcohol at, at the center of them and so it can become very normalized which is again why sometimes family members struggle to talk to talk about it so they may have a loved one at university that that's drinking hmm. and and it's kind of it's very normal it's very normal part of that culture so i think it's really important to talk to talk about it yeah i mean there there are other things that we could do instead of uh you know celebrating with alcohol isn't it because when you normalize something uh, as a celebration, uh, it could affect many people, right? N- maybe in an early age you wouldn't realize it, but later on you realize that I should never have started with alcohol. So in your opinion, what are the things we could do 
um, you know, in order to celebrate, but without alcohol? I, th- I think just we can just bring it back to basics. We can, I think, we can still have fun without without alcohol, and I think it's again sometimes people rely on alcohol too much, and they mm. associate that with having fun or celebrating. And the fact is, you, you don't need it. You don't need it to do that. And particularly if it's a problem for you or it's problematic for someone that you know. Mm. Um, so again, it's about reaching out and getting that support. Mm. And uh, what are the economical uh, impacts of of excessive drinking? Yeah. So I, again, from kind of a family point of view, I think we need to be really mindful of that ripple effect. So, like for example, excessive drinking can have Um, a massive impact on someone's health Hmm. and so if there's someone in the family that's taking on those caring responsibilities related to that health issue caused by excessive drinking that can have a massive impact to someone's home life and their responsibilities at home like childcare and finances so you know trying to get some uh, a child or young person ready for school bedtime routines cooking meals and then on on top of that trying to financially um, care for that person that may have um, that may have a health impact from that and again this can cause a massive strain on the well-being of that family member which we then know can impact whether they're available or not for that child or young person Hmm. and we often see this a lot in families so for me I guess the message you know it's not just the person that's using and the impact of that it's the people around them as well. Hmm, Definitely. And uh, what more do you think that needs to be done to raise awareness about drinking and uh, its harmful effects? Yeah, I think I think we need to make sure that there's um, informative campaigns available. So for family, friends and carers to know that there's support available to them and that they can talk about stresses and strains. Um, and we also need to raise awareness through campaigns around the impact of parental alcohol use and how that can negatively impact um, a child or young person's well-being, um, which we as, we as a service we would call hidden harm because the harm is often hidden and it's not always recognised, mm. um, but it can have a detriment to a child and young person's well-being. Um, and then also there's something around raising awareness around how harmful alcohol use can become intergenerational within families. Um, And so again, informative campaigns can support individuals to make an informed choice and to help break that cycle. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alice, for contributing to our show and answering our questions. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you. So this was Alice, um, who is uh, the insight manager at Humankind Charity. Um, we were talking about the the you know the the effects the effects of alcohol as well, and uh, you know the long term effects, the short term hmm. effects uh, as well. And I think it's very very important that we that we highlight these as well. And I'll, and, and our guests have also spoken spoken about this also. Um, is it's important that we that we talk about it as well and raise awareness because there are a lot of people that may sort of know about this but not in great detail yeah or they need a little bit more information sometimes it can you know raising awareness it can be key for some people to actually stop what they're doing as well hmm. so that you know it's that realization isn't it yeah once you realize that maybe you know some there are some people who may be struggling they might have a problem a genuine problem yeah and then they realize that you know head on that yes we are facing a problem let's do something about it hmm. that can be key uh, for them as well 
Let's speak to uh, Danny Hackman, um, who is also service manager at uh, Humankind Charity. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Danny. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start off by telling our listeners a little bit more about Humankind Charity um, uh, and the practical advice that you give to those people who are who are suffering? Yeah, sure. Um, so the Hagar um, is the alcohol specialist service in Haringey, which is one of many services supporting vulnerable people across the country under the Humankind Charity. Um, and we also manage. I also manage a, a Haringey recovery service, which is um, part of the wider Haringey treatment partnership. So, post-structured treatment for your initial alcohol use, um, we also refer you to a kind of recovery um, support where we could integrate you back into the community if you've been in some kind of residential um, treatment or we can just generally give you some wraparound support to help you kind of sustain recovery from your alcohol use um, post-treatment. Now, there are a lot of people, um, youngsters as well, uh, older also, but who are suffering from alcohol abuse and drug abuse as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about your housing and independent living services? Uh, Why you think such services are vital, are, are important and needed for those people who are suffering, you know, alcohol abuse or, or even drug abuse. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's fair to say that, you know, many of us enjoy a drink now and then. Um, not all, but many of us do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But however, for some people, due to kind of several factors, including inherited genes or life circumstances, that enjoyable occasional drink can turn into something problematic. So for many people concerned that may often not be fully aware that they're struggling uh, to control their drinking until either a relative or either someone from, you know, a work colleague raises concerns about their drinking and suggests that they need to cut down. Or an incident occurs where, you you know, someone gets injured um, as a result of alcohol abuse or maybe you even get injured where alcohol may be a contributing factor. Mm. So there is a lot of ambivalence towards addressing alcohol abuse, um, which is part of the overall sort of denial of addiction. And a person kind of becomes convinced that things are okay even when there's clear signs of abuse. So one of the things that we do advise particularly is that uh, to seek, if you do have a problem with alcohol you're struggling is to seek support um, advice at the earliest opportunity so you could be visiting your GP service um, A&E if you're experiencing any withdrawal symptoms or physical or mental health complications so there's a lot of heavy drinkers who suddenly decrease or stop drinking altogether mm. which may experience withdrawal symptoms so potentially that's dangerous and it should be treated as such yeah. so you know if anyone is concerned then you might you know, that you might be dependent on alcohol, then you should seek medical advice to help you kind of cut down or stop drinking safely. So, uh, you know, the advice that we give is to, you know, visit your local um, drug and alcohol service. They normally have a drop-in service which you can attend. Um, but if you prefer to kind of seek support in the privacy of your own confined space and you have sort of digital access, then there's uh, online services hmm. that, um, you know, provide self-help services and there's several sort of several uh, self-assessment tools that can identify whether your drinking could have an impact on your health. 
Um, we have a particular online service called Drink Coach, which provides a self-assessment which can help identify um, any sort of serious uh, health conditions as a result of drinking. Um, and it's, all, it's also fair to say that there are a number of sort of access points in terms of information um, and advice. Um, in Haringey, we have a no door, no wrong door policy, which means that there are a number of kind of community settings that are linked into sort of alcohol specialist services and advice that uh, can give you support, such as antisocial behaviour teams, um, the safer neighbourhoods, you know, uh, fire brigades, even police. So, you know, that's, you know, where where we would advise. But I guess, um, you know, there is the cultural differences and how people view alcohol. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we just, yeah, go very much into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, talk, talking about a sort of maybe a change into people's lifestyles, do you think that a more bigger societal change would be needed to tackle the the root the root of alcohol abuse. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's you know there's a notion um, that you know drinking you know alcohol is is sort of embedded in the British culture, mm. um, whether it be drinking on a social level or alcohol being used as a remedy for dealing with psychological stresses or issues in general right. and i think um you know testimony of that is you know common statements contributed to the notion such as you know i need a drink after a stressful day for example or workers look forward to the end of the week where they can go to the pub you know with their you know colleagues mm. which is almost part of the daily conversation so i think there needs yeah. to be more um more media uh, sort of coverage um, around the safer drinking um, guidelines. Um, there needs to be more kind of, uh, you know, media coverage around um, hidden harms in regards to alcohol, um, health harms associated with alcohol consumption. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot that needs to be done and just more investment in terms of community alcohol services, just changing the stigma hmm. around um, alcohol use. Because, I mean, you know, although it is used in many different parts of our daily lives, unfortunately, there is a consequence, particularly with regards to sort of binge drinking, yeah. which can to alcohol poisoning and the affiliation with the nighttime economy, which can lend itself to, you know, deplorable kind of behaviours and concerns, which often kind of turn cities, towns into threatening and dangerous kind of places uh, yeah. to visit, particularly at night time. Yeah. So in addition, you know, the frequent excessive drinking can lead to long-term health con conditions such as cancer, liver disease, alcohol-related dementia, such as vernicots and coughs, uh, etc. So there is a lot of uh, changes that need to be done and a lot of investment as well to, to bring about those changes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But those people who are suffering, what can we do to, to help those people who are suffering from alcohol abuse? I think primarily education is a big thing, um, which is, you know, to provide access points to education, whether it will be harm minimization, um, you know, generally, you know, even if there isn't an, an obvious sort of alcohol problem where it's not obvious, but just generally advising around the, the 
the risks around alcohol mm. um, allowing you know them to identify where the access points are if they need that advice and, and information and, and treatment um, also educating them on around the impact of alcohol on the families um, as well you know and, and loved ones I think that's a, a big thing but generally to understand um, you know the, the impact of alcohol um, and you know just to you know I guess focus on how alcohol you know has can affect the health um, live you know healthy lifestyles discuss this you know the effects not just the the harm that it does but also discuss the pleasures and the difficulties um, that it can bring um, but we generally want everyone to be able to kind of access support and treatment for alcohol if and when they need it hmm. yeah absolutely definitely Danny Hackman thank you so much for joining us this afternoon speaking to us and of course raising awareness uh, as well thank you so much once again and uh, peace be upon you good afternoon my pleasure thank you thank Bye. you that was uh, Danny Hackman from the service manager at uh, Humankind Charity, and you know, good work that these guys are doing as well, as, as well as the other charities yeah. which are which are out there and doing their playing their role, play, doing their bit as well to raise awareness, and um, you know, telling people about the effects of that. And the one thing that you mentioned, which was which is. In, you know, which we always need to remember is that the stigma. We need to break the stigmas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a loved one, a family member, a friend can be suffering from alcohol abuse, and you can see it that that person is suffering from it. But sometimes we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the elephant in the room. We don't. We don't address it, mm. or we don't confront it, and we just let it slide. We know that that person is suffering. Yeah. But we just let it be because we're afraid of our of our friendship and my break. Yeah. The thing is, is that we need to tell people who, if if anybody, especially a loved one, family member, a friend, yeah. if they are suffering, that yes, they are suffering. They need medical attention. They need special attention. Yeah. And then they can, you know, get rid of, um, you know, hopefully get rid of this uh, this problem as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean. Sometimes when we look at friends and and family, yeah. we just want to ignore and just want to uh, yeah. maintain the friendship or family exactly uh, familyness, right? We don't want to have the tough sort of uh, conversations. Conversations, it? yeah. But um, this reminds me of one thing of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of be upon him. Mm. He said that if you see someone doing something wrong, mm. then the strongest iman or the strongest uh, type of faith yeah. is that you go and physically change it. Yeah, physically right? sort of, you know, do something. Do something. Yeah. yeah. And the lower type of iman is, the lower than that is uh, you say something uh, orally, right? Mm. And the, the lowest type of iman or faith is that you just, you know, wish that they, you yeah. know, they stop with, you know, yeah. s- that sort of thing that they are yeah. doing which is you still think it's bad but you know you just think about it in your mind or, and, and or you just it. pray for that person yeah but you don't actually physically do something yeah I mean yeah. next to prayers you need to do something you need to well, do something as respectfully well, with love respectfully yeah and I believe that with love you can you can you can make a change uh, to the people who are mm. around you isn't it exactly exactly yeah you know the thing is is that alcohol is such a problem because you know, there's there's a lot of things which are you know which people actually don't realize that alcohol is the root cause of all of, of all of these problems. Yeah, and uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, 
the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah upon whom be peace, actually says or tells the community that drunkenness <coughs> is the root of all evil. And the intoxicated man is likely to commit the most horrible crimes on the slightest provocation. Other evils are inseparable from it. Piety and drunkenness are like light and darkness, respectively, and can never exist together in the same place. The man who is not aware of its evil consequences is not far-sighted. So, you know, it's, it's, it is very, very important that we, you know, that we... Um, uh, you know that, that that we realize that this is a problem. Yeah. And people, some people are in denial. They they don't they don't acknowledge that you know this is the problem, hmm. even though that they know what the problem is. Yeah. Um. So that's uh you know it's very important that we that we sort of raise awareness as well and call, if something is bad, then call it out. Yeah. Right. Call it out. Hmm. We um spoke to spoke to Helena Conibear, who is the CEO at the Alcohol Education Trust. Let's listen to what Helen had to say. So my first question is um, around the fact that alcohol and drug abuse, these are quite complex and complicated issues to explain. So how does your organization go about educating young children about these issues? Well, actually, it's a very interesting balance. So there's a quite a lot of evidence to show that if you talk too much about drugs and alcohol before the age of 11, it can encourage uh, experimentation and curiosity. Um, so before the age of 11, it's all around resilience, building self-esteem, confidence in saying no and healthy lifestyles. And then from around age 11, but particularly from what we call the tipping point of age 13, when young people start looking away from their families and towards older teenagers and their peers, uh, then we very much start talking about um, alcohol and cannabis in particular. And we look at the physical effects, the social effects about the law, uh, but particularly getting young people to understand the effect on the immature body. So with alcohol uh, has a big effect on the immature brain that's still developing. Um, but we don't try not to lecture, we sort of have what we call rehearsal strategies. So uh, if somebody offered you a substance in the park, what would you do? How do you resist peer pressure? Um, what we call building uh, resilience and getting young people to just think about what set more sensible choices might be. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we can say that in this current society, um especially when it comes to like alcohol it's kind of it's quite heavily promoted so how do you think we can go about teaching children um especially those that are like teenage age um who can kind of become quite heavily influenced to stay away from the dangers of alcohol abuse yeah, well, the first thing I would say is, which we're really, really pleased about. So I've run the Alcohol Education Trust for 15 years. And during that period, underage drinking has halved um, and problematic drinking has, as in drinking to get drunk, has really declined. So eight in 10 young adults might drink some alcohol, but they're not drinking to get drunk or they're not drinking problematically. Um, and 30% of under 24s are actually choosing not to drink alcohol at all. So the first thing I'd say is that we're very pleased with um, 
how attitudes to uh, especially drinking to excess is changing. And I think that's due to several things, uh, law enforcement and, and, and better laws. So it's very hard for somebody under the age of 18 to buy alcohol or be served alcohol. Um, so there is something called Challenge 25. So pretty much anybody working in retail has to ask for ID if uh, a young person looks under the age of 25. That's been really well implemented and rolled out as make a huge difference. Um, also advertising, uh, the rules around advertising are, are, are strict, which is good. So you mustn't have models who look young. You mustn't promote that it's linked to um, success or um, uh, anything like that. Um, and there are good strict rules around social media, although with uh, social media influencers, that, that is much harder to, to counter and, and, and people like pop stars, for example. So availability, also for young people, alcohol is expensive in this country. So availability and price and controlling its, its promotion definitely um, all help. Um, so yeah, is that enough of an answer? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think my moving on from that, my next question is around the fact that I think it's it's quite clear and it, uh, that and it's quite well known the negative impacts that alcohol have. Um, but why do you think that people still misuse substances despite knowing what risks? This is the age old, age old issue. So there are five um, healthy things we're meant to do that um, help ensure that we live a heart healthy and a long life and, and, and reduce all our mortality risks. And that is eating a healthy diet, you know, that's low in saturated fat and not too much processed food and lots of fruit and vegetables, um, exercising uh, moderately, uh, not smoking, uh, if somebody chooses to drink alcohol, to drink within the low risk guidelines for adults, which is no more than about seven drinks a week, and then maintaining a, a, a balanced uh, body mass index. And 6% of the adult population choose to do those things, although they know, everybody knows what a healthy diet is, or we shouldn't have too much salt or too much sugar or drink too much. So, the human weakness and, and, and complexity is really, really hard. Um, I mean, certainly in terms of young people, we know why they choose to drink or get drunk. It's often to fit in. Uh, it's because they enjoy it. It's because they want to rebel. Um, most worrying is that uh, especially teenagers who are drinking early and drinking the most have the lowest self-esteem and, and, and the lowest happiness. So one of the motivations for drinking is um, to counter their worries and anxiety because they have poor mental health. So for us as a charity to try and tackle those things, um, you know, getting them to think about uh, resisting peer pressure and um, fitting in is easier. And but what a really important part of what we do is actually tackling some of the causes of poor mental health. So, um, uh, you know, alternatives, if, if somebody's anxious and worried around um, meditation and, and, and yoga and listening to music and volunteering and hobbies and feeling part of their community, these 
things all join together to help stop problematic behavior around alcohol and drug use. And so my last question is the fact that we know that there's obviously um, physical um, impacts of alcohol abuse. Can you tell us a little bit more about the financial impacts of alcohol abuse? Yes, I think not only financial, I think what's really shocking, shocking is 40% of violent crimes are, are linked to excess alcohol and a similar amount about between 25 and 40% of domestic abuse and violence cases are linked to somebody being drunk or under the influence of alcohol at the time. And um, of our prison population, 40% uh, of prisoners who were there said they were under the influence of alcohol when they committed their crime and about 44% were under the influence of drugs. So, you know, the cost to our society, not even beginning to mention uh, the effects on um, ill health and hospitalizations. There are 130,000 adults in treatment for alcohol or drug problems in England. 50% uh, of those are there for opiates and about 28% of those people are there for alcohol. So we do have huge problems in our society and they're not new. And the way we try and work to uh, tackle these issues are about building um, opportunities around uh, employment, education, all these different things. It's not, uh, you know, why do people choose to misuse alcohol or drugs? It's very, very complex. We know that um, those most likely to have problems have experienced trauma in their lives or deprivation or neglect. Um, so it's a very, very complex issue that I'm afraid there's no silver bullet answer to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so thank you so much for your time today, Helena. A pleasure. That was Elena who spoke a little bit more uh, about alcohol and those people who are actually suffering um, from alcohol abuse as well. And I think during the whole course of the show, we've we've sort of highlighted how, how important it is to actually, you know, the, the harmful effects of alcohol, not just the long-term effects, but the short-term effects as well. And the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has also told us that that alcohol is such a is such a is such a bad vice that you know one is not even in his senses when he when he abuses this uh, intoxication as well. Um, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad may Allah be his helper, has said on one occasion that alcohol and gambling are are are, are bad things such as vices, right? And these are available everywhere even in places where there is restriction on them. Now, not only are they in common places in these countries and people are actually tempted and lured uh, towards them. And this is why it's important, His Holiness said, that it's important for us to realize how uh, the dangers of this uh, mm. as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, the dangers are... Normal society, uh, we wouldn't realize about the dangers. Uh, but uh, it is indeed very, very harmful when you look uh, deep into it. Join us after the break. You're 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. In this part of the show, we're talking about, uh, or we're continuing on our theme of the of the conditions of birth. And uh, we have started this um, this theme as well, um, or this this series of, of shows of the conditions of birth as well. Now, the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he actually laid down 10 conditions of birth. If anyone wants to become part of the of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, mm-hmm. he or she must try his or her best to abide by these conditions and live their life in accordance with these with these conditions as well. And before we actually talk about what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about the third condition of birth. Um, what exactly is that? We'll, we'll speak a little bit about that in just a bit. But just before we do that, it's important for us to realize that the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim, Muslim community, when he sort of established the community, he did it so that the true teachings of Islam can actually be revived. Yeah. It wasn't to sort of start a new religion. It wasn't mm-hmm. to start a, 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 a new law, a new Sharia. It wasn't anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. It was the same Islam which was given to us by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and to revive that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And he certainly didn't bring any new law, mm. a new religion, uh, but he brought to revive, he, he came to revive the religion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as yeah. the Holy Prophet himself said that, you know, uh, Imam Mahdi, uh, the Messiah will come to revive my religion when, um, you know, the Ummah or the, the my believers will, cert, you know, slowly, slowly mm. uh, forget my beliefs. So the conditions that we are covering today, um, and and especially the third condition that yeah. we are covering today is basically yeah. not a new condition, but a condition that reflects the five pillars of Islam, right? Exactly. And exactly. and and this condition is about prayers. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to quote the third the condition of the yeah. promised Messiah, which is um, that he or she shall re- uh, regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet وسلم, peace and blessings Allah be upon him and mm. shall try his or her best to regularly uh, in uh, to, to be regular in offer in offering the tahajjud or the uh, the voluntary prayer mm. and invoking the rood on the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him mm. and that he shall he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for his or her sins, mm. to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify Him. Absolutely. Now, this is that is the third condition. Yep. And just like you mentioned, it is literally one of the pillars of Islam as yep. well, isn't it? Yep. Um, the, uh, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran in chapter 24, verse 57. Now remember, this this is the next very next verse of mm. Ayat Istiqlaf where Allah the Almighty talks about caliphate, right? Yep. Um, so He says that, and observe prayer and give the zakat and obey the messenger that you may be shown mercy. Mm. Now, the reason why this is so important is because this is part and parcel of your daily routine, right? Yeah. There's five daily prayers mm-hmm. that you need to do every single person 
uh, every single Muslim needs to do that five times a day. There's no sort of getting out of it, right? Mm. And a lot of people ask, um, what benefit, sort of, what benefit do we lose by not saying these prayers? Mm-hmm. You know, some people may say that you know we're so busy, especially in this lifestyle. Uh, living here in the West, we're so busy, we don't even have time to pray. Yeah. His Somebody asked His Holiness, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyam Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, uh, may Allah have mercy on him in regards to this. Mm-hmm. And he gave a very a very beautiful and eloquent uh, answer as well. Let's listen to this question, what the, what the person asked, and then the answer of His Holiness as well. Uh, my question is that um, we know that it is important to say our namaz on time. But uh, living in a society where we are now, uh, where we are really pushed for time and we don't have time to say namaz on time, uh, what I would like to know is that what benefit do we lose by not saying it on time? Have you done bath or not yet? Yes, I have. Have you got initiated into Ahmadiyya? Yes. 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 Did you also promise that I'll always give preference to my faith or worldly objects? Or did you not? Yes. So, in your question, which is faith and which is worldly objects? Which part makes faith and which part worldly objects? You don't know? Uh, The answer is there already. (laughs) There is no question of any confusion. If there is a contradiction between or choice, I should say, between faith and worldly objects, you have promised to God that you will always prefer the faith of worldly objects, so do it. You owe far more to God than to your temporary, temporary employer. All the means of livelihood at your disposal were put by God. All the potentials of your capabilities, your talents, were provided to you by God. So these temporary, you know, um, so-called sustainers, by employing you in companies or in government jobs, etc., how can you compare them with God, you know, putting them in one scale and God on the other? So the first answer was, only uh, in, 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 by the way of an argument. Otherwise, no sane man, sane man will ever <laughs> weigh between this and that. God has a prior right over everything. But He is also so kind, so generous, so magnanimous, that He has fixed the times of the prayer in a manner that there is a lot of cushioning, a lot of possibility of, uh, uh, you know, alternative times within the time of the prayer. Zohar time begins from after the sun has declined, the moment it has declined, to the time when it goes halfway between the decline of the sun in the beginning and uh, sunset. So a lot of margin. And when the two times merge together, when there is not enough time for you to say the prayers separately, you can do them with jam, in Jama. That is, you can say Zohar prayer together with Asr. But that is exceptional. But margins are so many. The possibilities, uh, 
are innumerable. And yet, if you can't say your prayer during work, then check the work away. You see? But I doubt if you really are compelled to uh, you know, do away with the prayer because of your job. When I told Amadis previously during my sermons that no way could you sacrifice your prayers. You must prefer it and tell your employers that even if the time comes within the overall time of my service, I'm going to have a few minutes off at least, half an hour or 15 minutes in whichever time you can say your prayers. And most of the employers do cooperate and some say, all right, deduct that much money from our service. But most do not, you know. So this is just a hypothetical question. And even in that respect, I have answered it. So that was uh, the answer of His Holiness, the fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat bin Zatahir Ahmed. May Allah have mercy on him, telling us that whatever the situation is, if you're at work, even if you're at school, you can take time out, speak to your employer, hmm. and he will definitely, you know, give you. If you t- tell him, you know, you know, if you tell him that, you know, it's, it's my time for prayer, hmm. give me at least fifteen minutes off hmm. for that prayer time. Then, I'm, you know, His Holiness has said that uh, that employer will give you that time off to pray as well. Um, so this is why it's important. You know, there are people who, 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 you know, have their daily routine and then they put their prayer times within that. Yeah. But then there are some people who have their prayer times fixed and then they put their daily routines according to, according around to the it. prayer time, around the prayer time. Around it. So time, it, yeah. it's just, it's just, um, you know, it puts you into perspective what your uh, priority is mm. and what the main source or main reason for your creation actually is where you know Allah the Almighty says that uh, I have not created the man the jinn and the man but that they may worship me yeah and you know, if we realize that our this whole purpose of our creation is to worship God yeah why wouldn't we put that at the top priority yeah isn't exactly it? I mean worshiping God is basically so that we could recognize him and yeah. that he could be at our support anytime we need because mm. there's nothing more powerful than God Almighty. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and when you have that trust in God, then anything is possible. Right? And but, you know, worshipping doesn't only mean God Almighty says that, you know, worship me that doesn't mean that you physically do the salat only mm. or the prayers or the, the movements of the prayers. Um but worshipping him also means to uh you know give the rights of his creation as well so that's also a part of um our worshiping our our salat so our salat or worshiping or our prayers can never be completed if you don't give the rights of the creation of of, exactly. of of god almighty exactly that's 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 so true because they both go hand in hand isn't it yeah now allah the almighty mentions um, in chapter 20 verse 15 of the Holy Quran Verily, I am Allah There is no God beside me So serve me and observe prayer for my remembrance and This is why it's important Allah the Almighty is telling us I mean he told us in so many other places in the Holy Quran as well To actually to pray Yeah. And uh, you know What better way to actually know how to pray Or the importance of prayer Than the Holy Prophet Muhammad Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him Yeah there are countless narrations uh, which we can, you know, you know, which we can you know, present before you guys as well. But just to put a few before you, 
has been narrated by a companion named Jabir. May Allah be pleased with him. And he relates that he heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say that neglecting to offer prayer brings a man closer to apostasy and disbelief. Now obviously, if anyone is a Muslim, they would want to be counted amongst the Muslims. They don't yeah. want to be counted amongst disbelievers. Mm-hmm. Especially not those people who are or who do apostasy, right? So this is why it's important for us to, whatever the time for the prayer is, be ready for that as well. Yeah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, talking about how much he loved the prayer. He says that the comfort of my eye is in the prayer. Mm-hmm. Now this tells us that, you know, the 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 importance of prayer and how much how much he loved prayer. You know, some people think that oh, it's time for prayer, or oh, that's a drag, oh, it's going to take long, or this or that, mm-hmm. and they start making excuses. Especially sometimes the youngsters as well, right? Yeah. But um, you know, the, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that this is one of the things which he looks forward to. That's mm. the comfort of his eyes. Yeah. That's what brings his joy that's what brings him joy and yeah. happiness. Um talking about talking about uh how much because we believe in the hereafter, right? Yeah. Believing in the hereafter, belief in the hereafter is one of the articles of faith as well. Yeah. Um and obviously anyone, especially those people who believe in the hereafter, they want to secure their position, right? Mm. They want to be classified as those people who Allah the Almighty will be pleased with. Mm-hmm. Now, it has been narrated by Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings, blessings of Allah be upon him, said that the very first thing for which a person would be called to account is the prayer. Yeah. So you can just imagine, you know, imagine if you go to an interview, right? A job interview, yeah. for example. And... Um, you know the 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 employer sitting in is sitting in front of you, yeah. And you're just over there sitting at the other side, the other side of the table. And he asks you the very first question, and you sort of flop that question, yeah. Right. You you can't imagine f- that the rest of the interview is going to go well, yeah. Right. It's the same thing for. <laughs> I mean, it's the same sort of example in terms of you know the hereafter. If God mm. Almighty is asking you, I mean, the very first question he asks you is about the prayer. And mm-hmm. if that is, if you say, you know, obviously you can't lie. Obviously you can't, you can't you deceive can't lie, God. Yeah. <laughs> Allah the Almighty sees everything. He yeah. knows everything. If your prayers are not up to the standard, then, you know, it, it might be quite difficult for you. Yeah. This is why it's, it's, it's important to offer the prayer. Yeah. But then the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that and there's, there is a little bit of leniency as well, and that is where he said that if he succeeds in the, in this account, then he will be successful, and then he will attain salvation. Yeah. Now, then he said that if that account is deficient, mm-hmm. now th- there now here is where the leniency comes because Islam is a very beautiful and comprehensive religion, mm-hmm. right? There are people who are born, you know, there are people who are weak. They might because there's always phases in your life where you go up and down in your faith, mm-hmm. right? Some days you will be very spiritual. Some days you will be a little bit lazy. Now he says that if there is if that if there's some deficiency in that account, he'll he, you know he'll be ruined and he'll be a loser. But if there's a shortfall um, in the obligatory prayers, yeah. then Allah the Almighty will make up f- uh, for it from His voluntary prayers. Yeah. And similarly, all His other deeds will be accounted for as well. Yeah. So if you're if there's a deficiency in your in the prayers in your obligatory prayers, mm-hmm. if you have prayed. Or if you've done some voluntary acts, you've done some voluntary 
prayers as well um that would make up for the for the for the obligatory prayers as well yeah so there is that leniency as well but obviously if you don't have both then it can i mean i mean that account before god might not be a strong yeah. uh, account as well. What I understand from this uh, hadith or the saying is yes. that the voluntary prayers that you do is actually to make it up because you have understood yeah. the huge mistake that you've done by not you know, completing your prayers or yeah. the, the five daily prayers. So when you want to make it up and when you want to say that, God, uh, please forgive me mm. for my shortcomings, yeah. um, and, and uh, therefore I am trying my best to even do voluntary prayers, exactly. uh, the Nawafil prayer that is called in yeah. Arabic, um, so that in future that I, I will, uh, God willing, not miss my the daily prayers. Mm. And God understands that point, and, and at that point, God then forgives your previous sins when it comes to prayers. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. it's so beautiful, and, and like you said, Islam mm. is a very comprehensive, very comprehensive. Uh, religion that, mm. you know, in any way, if it allows you hmm. uh, to always, if if there is any shortcomings and you want to become better, yeah, there's always it, the, the door is open. There is open. always a door open, yeah. basically. <laughs> now, obviously, you know, it, I mean, Islam is such a is such a beautiful and easy religion. Yeah, that you know, sometimes you know, obviously, you have to pray, and there's different positions. If you can't pray standing up, you can even sit down and pray. Mm-hmm. If you're sort of bedridden and you can't even sit down or sitting down hurts you, mm-hmm. you can even lie down and pray as well. So, I mean, there's no excuse for, for not praying. Yeah, um, It's just, you know, you need to realize that this is what I was made to do. Hmm. If you're not doing what you're made to do, then what, what's the point, isn't it? There is so many benefits in, in prayers, right? So, for example, prayers, mm. it allows you... It gives you a break from the daily routine. Yeah, you know, because you cut off from the world and cut you off just from the world focus on and you on focus prayer. on on prayer. Exactly. And even even famous people, who and and and, and doctors, uh, also suggest that you should do physical exercise. Right. So yeah. this is some sort of physical exercise. In a way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some sort of meditation or yoga that some people might do. Mm. But this is also something that has a lot of benefits for. The, the 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 body as well, mm. and it gives you a break from your daily a daily routine, your as daily well. routine as well. Exactly, and and it gives you a mental peace as well. And many people that they realize this as well when they go to into meditation that mm. you know they find this inner peace, and this is what it is with with uh, with 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 prayers. Mm. We we understand the purpose. We don't just do it because we want inner peace, but we we we're doing it for our betterment to increase our piety and, and spirituality and our relationship with, with God Almighty. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the we're talking about, <coughs> you're talking about the, the physical benefits mm-hmm. of prayer. So, in, you know, with, in combination with the spiritual benefits also. Now, there was another uh, very prominent saying, a very famous saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's been uh, narrated by Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, that su- that he asked, or he said that, tell me, if any would, if anyone of you talking to his companions, if anyone, if anyone of you had a stream running at his door and he should take a bath in it five times a day, would there be any dirt or any filth, any malice left on him? And then the companions, they they replied that no, 
obviously if if, so, if a person is taking a bath and washing himself yeah. five times a day that person will be clean yeah so the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him said that you know this is the same example for the prayers mm-hmm. and with this allah the almighty you know um, wipes out all of your faults and uh, and and washes them away it makes you pure makes you clean as well mm. and this is because you know there's five daily prayers yeah the, and they, and they are prescribed at different times mm. during the day and those five times if you if you pray your you know your spirituality level will be very high mm. and it's not just about spirituality it's about the physical elements which you mentioned as well because it's got different physical um positions you know such as standing up crossing your arms bowing down um prostrating on the floor different posi- even sitting down on the floor there's different positions so it's good physically as well keeps your circulate the circulation of your blood flowing as well but mm-hmm. also um it's got it's got um you know it, it 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 preaches or teaches you cleanliness also because you can't just go into prayer just like that yeah you have to be in that state of mind and to create that state of mind you need to perform the ablution yeah and allah the almighty has told us that ablution is very important yes you know such as it you know w- washing your mouth cleaning your face your your hands into your elbows your feet uh, you know there's various different things in the ablution as well mm. so you're physically ke- um, keeping yourself active but also you're keeping yourself clean as well yeah uh, so all of these things when they're combined this is you know this is the essence of the essence of prayer yeah and obviously where you pray obviously that has to be clean as well mm-hmm. so islam teaches this is why islam has actually said that you know cleanliness is a part of faith yeah. and another narration um the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him said that cleanliness is half of faith yeah and you know you know we can just learn that by by prayer by prayer you yeah. need to keep yourself clean you need to keep the the place where you're praying clean the mm. mosque or even if you're at home uh, and then obviously the prayer itself uh, when you're praying less like you'd mentioned you literally cut off from the world you focus on god almighty mm. and you, you 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 literally ask him for anything mm. you don't shy away that oh maybe i'll just if you want say if you want this job you don't just half-heartedly ask for that job you mm. you pray oh, oh, like give me so much he you know he can give you all of that he can give you more than that he mm-hmm. can give you less than that obviously is his choice but you know it's important when we pray we we need to pray in our own language yeah. as well isn't yeah. it and th- there is a portion in in our prayer as well when mm. we prostrate and we are at our lowest point basically yes. when we um you know put our head down in prostration mm. this is the moment when we pray in our own language and that's the moment when you actually really really humble yourself yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and 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 present yourself in god uh, in front of God Almighty that God anything you know help me with 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 my journey mm. towards you and and help me with my problems and certainly God Almighty says that um and we find in our hadith in the saying of the holy prophet peace and blessing be upon him that when you walk towards God when you crawl towards God God you know walks towards you and when you walk towards him he runs towards you yeah I mean and and in other narrations we find that um, you know when we when you ask something sincerely from God almighty mm, mm. God doesn't you know turn you away doesn't turn you away he yeah. he answers your uh, prayers answers your questions and this is the biggest example or our biggest way of finding God almighty exactly. I mean you could 
you know, trying to find God Almighty through the nature mm. or through, you know, scientific um, research or discoveries. Research, or whatever. discoveries. Yeah. But the, the strongest <laughs> faith that you would have in God is yeah. by By communicating prayer, like like exactly. all the other prophets did exactly and 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 the way they 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 uh, showed and they they uh, taught us to find god and this is what you know uh, people of faith especially islam hmm. teaches that and, and especially the ahmadi muslim community we teach and and, and god almighty has taught us um that god is a living god hmm. he was alive before He's alive now and he will always be alive. Always so be alive, he will yeah. always be able to be, um, you know, communicate. He will always be there when mm. you need him. Exactly. He will never He will never leave you as well. Yeah. This is why the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, um, has said, offer the prayer, offer the prayer. That is the key to all good fortune. Mm. In other places, he says that the essence and spirit of prayer lie in supplications and this is why it's so important for us to uh, pray as well um, we're fortunate enough to interview Shumail Ahmed who recently graduated from Jamiatul Ahmadiyya which is the Institute for Modern Languages and Theology and spoke to him a little bit about uh, the, this condition of bed the third condition of bed let's listen to what he had to say we're privileged to speak to Shamail Ahmed who has recently graduated from Jamiatul Ahmadiyya, which is the College for Languages and uh, Theology. And uh, he's here to talk to us a little bit more about the third condition of uh, of bed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah, and it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullah, peace be upon you. And uh, it's always a privilege to be on this show. Uh, thank you again for having me. It's always, a, it's always delightful. So talking about we talking about the conditions of birth. Previously, we've done shows in regards to the you know what the condition of birth actually is, what is what what does birth even mean, and also what the first condition of birth was. Just coming to to the third condition. So, what is the what is the third condition of birth? So, the third condition of birth, uh, as the Promised Messiah peace be upon him has written. He says that he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the tahajjud and invoking durood on the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for his or her sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify him. That is the third condition of bad. So th this is the third condition of bad. So anyone who wants to become part of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has to, you know, try his best to act upon all of these ten co ten conditions of bad, ten conditions of oath of allegiance. And this is the third condition that we're talking about today. And thank you for you know telling us what exactly that is. So basically, salat or Islamic prayer, just for the benefit of our listeners. What exactly is Salat? Um, how has this been explained to us by or commanded to us by you know by the teachings or the injunctions which have been mentioned by Allah the Almighty in the Holy Quran and also exemplified and told us told to us by the example, the noble example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. 
So in Islam, one of the five pillars of Islam is Salat or prayer, Islamic prayer. And this has been ordained by God, commanded by God Almighty for all Muslims to observe. And it is, as I mentioned, a five pillar, uh, one of the five pillars. And it is a crucial and very important aspect within Islam. Mm. And um, the command from God Almighty comes in the Holy Quran. Uh, the book which was revealed by Allah the Almighty to our Prophet, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where Allah the Almighty says in the Quran, and observe prayer and pay the zakat and obey the messenger that you may be shown mercy. And in another instance regarding worship, Allah the Almighty says in the Quran that I have not created humankind, mm. but that they may worship me. So this fundamental uh, teaching of worship is Salat within Islam and it is a combination of different actions and with those different actions we recite different verses and different prayers throughout uh, this Islamic prayer we go down we bow our heads down uh, we stand up we uh, we go down to the floor in prostration mm. um, twice in each you know circuit of each Salat and this is basically this is the you know on the outset this is what salat actually is right. but for a muslim it is very important that you know salat is learned and islam actually says that once you reach your age of maturity um be it a boy or be it a girl once you reach that age you should start to offer your five daily prayers regularly and as it is one of the five daily prayers a muslim cannot be a muslim you know, just if they're not offering their prayers. Right. And I mean, like you said, it is one of the five pillars of Islam, isn't it? Yeah, of course. In I mean, just like Hajj and uh, uh, pilgrimage, sorry, and uh, fasting and zakat and uh, the, the, the five pillars, Salat is a very, very key part. And um, it plays a very important role in the life of every single Muslim um, around the world. I mean, if you ask any uh, devout Muslim or people that are trying to, you know, come back to Islam or trying to, you know, reignite their faith, the way they start off with is right. prayer. Right. And in Islam, we have five daily prayers, right? And for some people, that might seem like, you know, that's a bit, that's a bit too much. It's a, bit too much. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but when you ask a Muslim, some people might say that, you know, it's not even enough. It mm. just depends on the way you look at it. So the five daily prayers are split depending on, you know, the different uh, uh, locations of the sun, uh, the timings of the sun uh, before dawn. We wake up in the morning and uh, in the afternoon. And after sunset, we have the prayers are split throughout the day so that we are constantly reminded that whatever we are doing in our lives, no matter where we are, no matter what we accomplish or no matter what we need, if we are in if we are struggling, we need help. We can always turn to Allah the Almighty throughout the day five times. And, you know, we have a call to prayer and it gives us peace. It gives us contentment. Mm. And as you, if you go into any of our mosques, it says, around our mosque that the hearts cannot find comfort without the remembrance of Allah the Almighty. Mm. So this remembrance, this dhikr as we call it, is salat. We we perform the salat so many times throughout the day to remind us that we have a creator that we can go to. There's a creator who ordained everything for us. There's a creator who will help us in time of need. There's a creator who we need to thank for everything that he has given us. So Salat in that aspect plays a very, very fundamental and key role in the life of every single Muslim mm. around the world. 
So that, I mean, we can go and talk about Salad for ages and ages. But I mean, you know, this for for yeah. the benefit of our viewers, I feel feel like this should be this should suffice. Now, I mean, it's 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 quite interesting, isn't it, that you said that what the Holy Quran actually says, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran that I did not create the jinn and the man, but that they may worship me. So this is exactly what Islam teaches. Islam teaches that the main or the sole purpose of your creation, the whole reason behind us being alive, us, you know, as human beings, is that we so that we worship God Almighty, we recognize God Almighty, we understand his attributes and we try to emulate those as well. And we can do that by offering by offering our prayers also. You know, th- th- there are people who set out their daily routine and then put the timings of their prayer, like you mentioned, there's five daily prayers as prescribed in Islam. They have this daily routine and then they put their prayers into those, they fit them into the daily routine. And then there are some other people who fit the prayers at their appointed time and build their routine around the prayer times. So I guess, you know, once you realize what your priorities are, once you realize, you know, what the what the essence of your of your life actually is, because everyone's looking for that sole purpose of life, isn't it? Everyone's looking for that sole purpose of, of life. What's the whole pur- purpose behind our creation? Is there something after you know, is you know, are we going to be held accountable after we die? Is there going to be life after death as well? So these are great, you know, and important questions that everyone should be answering, uh, asking, and Islam has the answer. Now you've spoken a little bit about you know what God Almighty has said in regards to the importance of prayer. Um, some traditions of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Just tell us a little bit more in regards to this and also. Um, what the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, what has he told us in regards to in regards to prayer? So the promised Messiah, on whom be peace, of course, as he has mentioned this in the condition, uh, in the conditions of bed, that he has spoken, you know, countless times and mm. very deeply and very um, given a lot of information and depth about prayer. But before I come to those. Uh, before I allude to those, I first like to mention a narration of the Holy Prophet of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that he said to a person once that if there was a stream mm. that was, you know, a, a water stream, right. a stream of water going past your house, and you were to wash yourself in that stream five times a day, right? Would there be any dirt left on you? And then the person who he was addressing replied, "No, of course not. You'll be you'll be yeah, clean, and you'll be course. no dirt left on you." And the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings be upon him. Upon this, he replied, saying that this is what the five daily prayers are. Wow, they yeah. are. It's a stream of water to purify our souls, our inner self, to you know to make sure that there's no dirt mm. left in our spirituality, to make sure that just the way we clean ourselves on our outside. Yeah. Uh, we also clean and purify ourselves on the inside, and so that's, that, that's that's also you know it, it goes both ways, isn't it? Like like just like you mentioned, it's it's not just the physical uh, uh, elements as well. It's the spirit. Of course, it's the spiritual. Of course, but also the the, the 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 physical aspect to it as well. Because you know you can't just willy nilly go into the prayer. 
there's you know you have to perform the ablution as well isn't yeah it? of course of course and in regards to that moving on to also your question that the promise what the promised messiah mm. uh, peace be upon him has said he's also talked about the fact that there's a physical aspect yeah and there's a spiritual aspect of prayer that the physical aspect of us you know cleaning ourselves and then performing these different actions going into bowing our heads down uh, going into prostration the different and positions all these, in the all prayer, these things yeah. yeah of course so this is the physical aspect and I mean, this is on the outside. It seems like if if prayer is only to do with spirituality, why do we need to perform these physical acts? Mm. Well, it's very easy to understand this, and the promised Messiah has explained this um, the very in very simple words. He he talks about how you know the physical body and the spiritual body has a direct direct link and right. has a they affect each other. The spiritual body affects your physical body, and your physical body affects uh, affects your spiritual body. And just an easy example of that is if someone was crying, if your brother, your sister, your mother, your son, your daughter, anybody that was close to you was crying, mm. and they were upset about something, and you were able to cheer them up and make them laugh, by them laughing and smiling will automatically make them feel better mm. on the inside. You know, when we feel when we feel dirty and sweaty, and you know we haven't showered for a little bit uh, for a while, and mm. we're, you know we're, maybe done some manual labor yeah, and you're ready. Really sweaty. Manual labor, and yeah, yeah, coming home from work, you want to you know hop into a shower, but until you hop into that shower, you don't feel clean. Even on the inside, you mm. feel a bit you know congested, and you just want to kind of get out of those clothes. Get a bit easy and yeah. get easy. So you as soon as you go home, you shower, you clean yourself, and that has an effect on your inner self and your outer self, and. This is what the Prophet Islam has mentioned as well countless times in his books, saying that there's a direct link between the physical body and the spiritual body. Yeah. And the Prophet Messiah, going on to the five daily prayers, has talked, you know, endlessly about prayer. Has talked about, you know, the different things that we recite in prayer. And one thing which I would like to quote is that uh, the promised Messiah, on whom be peace, has said that. At times to prostrate before him in complete submission, to beg from him all that you need, that is prayer, to praise him like a beggar, to move his mercy by narrating his greatness and grandeur, and then asking, a faith that does not have this type of prayer is no faith at all. Mm. So he's talked about how you know, prayer is not just about you know saying these different uh, verses of the Quran and saying saying different things. It's about actually believing in what you say, believing in God Almighty. And what if you believe what you are saying, then the effect of your prayer will be so much deeper. Um, he also uh, I quote the Promised Messiah he also said that a man is needy at all times to seek Allah's pleasure and beg for His grace. Only through His grace can be accomplished. Anything, mm. and then he goes on to pray that O oh Allah, grant us the ability to belong entirely to you, to stay firmly upon the path of your pleasure and thereby earn your pleasure. Prayer means love of God, fear of God, to always keep Him in mind, and that is what faith is. Mm. And referring that to the five daily prayers, prayer is always to remember God Almighty, and no matter what you do, yeah, the five daily prayers does not. Is not the limit of your prayers, right? There's also different things that you can do. You just, you know, thanking God at times when you are successful. You asking for God in times of need. That is a prayer. And that, you know, once you come to those five daily prayers and you supplicate before Him and you leave the world behind and you just wholeheartedly refer to God and speak to God Almighty 
as you, as though you're speaking to a therapist, as though you're speaking to a mother, as though you're speaking to that person who can take care of you. With that sort of relationship, having with God Almighty, and you and you pray, then your prayers will come uh, will come accepted, and you will become humble. You will become righteous. Good attributes and good morals will be born within you, and you'll be able to spread that. And people will see that. People will see the positive light mm. and the positive change in you. The fundamental aspect, like I said before, in Islam is five daily prayers. And so anyone who is trying to come back to faith, learn faith. Or you know reconnect with God Or just to connect with God for the first time Prayer is a perfect way A perfect way to do that Yeah yeah. I mean very beautifully Very beautifully put there uh, As well um, it's, it's important It's important that we you know talk about Talk about the the importance of prayer as well Especially when it comes to the promised Messiah Upon whom be peace The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Because there are a lot of people who say or who try to claim that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, um, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, that he, when you know, when he started his mission, he he sort of brought a new sort of Islam. He brought a new sort of prayer, a new qibla, the qibla being the direction where Muslims face during the prayer. But can you just tell us a little bit, a little bit about this as well, because? We need to clarify some uh, some allegations as some uh, misinterpretations as well that people think that Islam Ahmadiyyat is sort of a new religion, but that can't be further from the truth. But the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, he was there as the arbitrator, as he came as the just, the arbitrator to actually revive the true teachings of Islam, which was brought to us by and given to us by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. There's not a new Islam. There's not any new, um, uh, you know, declaration of faith. There's new. There's not a, any new qibla, the direction where we face. Just tell us a little bit more about about this as well. So exactly how you just said that there's no new qibla, there's no new direction. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, he came to revive Islam. Right. He didn't come to bring a new religion. He didn't come to change the laws of Islam. He just came to revive. To reignite the faith in people, to defend Islam, and uh, uh, by doing so, he was able to, you know, bend the hearts of people who were straying away from Islam. He didn't bring anything new. Yeah. If you look, if you read any of the biographies, autobiographies, and you go through the life of the Promised Messiah, on whom be peace, you do not see anything different in terms of the laws of Islam than that of the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Right. Yeah. He prayed towards the Kaaba in Mecca in Saudi Arabia. He used to perform uh, the five, you know, p- pillars of faith. He used to perform his five obligatory uh, prayers. He used to fast. He gave zakat. Um, uh, the declaration of faith, faith that uh, there's no God but Allah. There's no worthy of worship but Allah and Muhammad. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is a servant and messenger. That was his declaration of faith. There's nothing new. There's nothing different. Everything was the same as what the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, brought to us. And he just came to revive that. There's nothing new. There's nothing different. Yeah. It's all the same Islam. But it's just to teach people that people had lost their faith. It was a prophecy of the Holy Prophet that people, the 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 scholars will be the worst of the worst on the earth. Mm. And, you know, um, disorder will be spread Across the world And that uh, The mosques will be empty And people uh, Will just read the Quran 
and they will not understand anything from it. So that is what the state of this of Islam and the Muslims would be like, and to to revive them, to fix them, to bring them back to the true faith of Islam. That is what the mission was of the promised Messiah. So why would he bring something new? Why would he pray to a different direction? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification as well, which was very much, uh, very much needed. Um, just coming a little bit back to prayer as well. Apart from the obligatory prayers, are there any other sort of prayers that Muslims can do? You, t- you touched a little bit about this as well, such as voluntary prayers. Are they also prescribed in Islam? So within Islam, we have the five daily prayers which are prescribed for every single Muslim. And uh, on top of that, we have uh, the voluntary prayers. Hmm. So at any time uh, during the day, apart from those times where uh, you cannot pray, um, you can pray, you know, voluntary prayers, voluntary uh, rakat, which is a circuit of the prayer, of the Islamic prayer. And that obviously you are rewarded for because you are doing more than what is uh, commanded to you by Allah the Almighty. The five daily prayers is what is commanded and every Muslim must do them. But the voluntary for, uh, prayers, um, are, you know, they you seek, you seek reward from Allah the Almighty, the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. Right. On top of that, there is the tahajjud prayer, which is before the morning prayer. Mm. Um, if you wake up, in the middle of the night before the morning prayer and you offer voluntary voluntarily you offer prayers so that is the most the best way if you are seeking something if you if you want a prayer to be accepted and that is the best way to attain nearness to Allah the Almighty there are countless narrations of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him waking up in the middle of the night and praying and supplicating towards Allah the Almighty whilst the whole world is asleep, hmm. whilst everyone else is in their beds laying and resting, sacrificing your sleep, one of the most important things that you need, and one of the most I, I would agree is one of the you know the best times of the day when you when you had a long day and you hmm. go into your bed and it's very difficult to you for some people to even get up for the morning prayer. Yeah. But to get up even before that and to voluntarily pray, yeah. that is that shows your level of dedication, that shows your love and your your how much you are striving to gain Allah's pleasure and how much you how much you love Allah the Almighty, how much you love prayer, how much you want to attain nearness to Allah the Almighty, how much you want the contentment in your heart of that love of that pleasure of Allah the Almighty and surely that it is rewarded for um, the promised Messiah uh, on whom be peace also said that if you pray 10 days for anything um, by waking up for tahajjud and you pray for anything there's no not as there's no way that God will not listen to your prayers mm. and accept your prayer in one way or another which will benefit you I mean the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has also said that we don't have any worldly weapon the only weapon that we have is prayer so whatever you know we want to achieve all the all our you know our our good aspirations our dedication towards uh, you, you know the faith and all the good things that we want to do if you if we truly want to accomplish those high goals and targets prayer is our only tool and prayer is our only weapon that we should utilize um one thing i would just like to add is that Although that this is seen as a volu- voluntary prayer, the promised Messiah has 
put this in this in the conditions of bed as something which may seem as though it is obligatory because that is what a true Muslim should be doing. Offering these voluntary prayers, offering these prayers where you sacrifice your sleep, you sacrifice your comfort and you strive towards Allah the Almighty. As you said that it is the only weapon that we have. It is what will help us you know, gain success in this world and in the hereafter yeah. and help us with any struggles that we are going through. Help the Muslim, uh, help not just yourself but the whole Muslim ummah. Every Muslim around the world and not just Muslims but help those people that are in need that don't have any faith or you know, uh, believe other things apart from uh, what Islam teaches. God willing, God willing, definitely. Um, just lastly, then, I mean, uh, there are so many things that we can, uh, you know, talk and discuss in regards to prayer. Just uh, talking about istighfar. Now, that's an Arabic term, but it's used quite a lot in uh, when it comes to when it comes to prayer, especially especially in Islam. Tell us a little bit uh, uh, about this as well. So istighfar is referring to a sort of repentance which is taught in Islam. And um, the promised Messiah actually speaks about this and he speaks about a bit about the, the linguistic size of it. And uh, he says that ghafara literally means covering and suppressing. Right. With istighfar, man tries to suppress and cover those emotions that keep him away from God. Thus, the only meaning of istighfar is that the poisonous elements that may well nigh destroy a man may be overpowered and one should give practical shape to the commandment of God by avoiding all obstructions. Hmm. So istighfar in Islam, istighfar is a very, very beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's not just about repentance and asking God to you know uh, accept your repentance although that is a huge part of it because right. as human beings we are weak um that in in the Quran Allah the Almighty says that he has created man weak that we make mistakes uh we we sin we you know we allude to things which we shouldn't but mm. by istighfar by repenting by saying those words of istighfar then we stay away from we try to limit the times and try to remove all those occasions where we may repent, uh, where we may sin mm. or go towards evil deeds. And one beautiful teaching of uh, istighfar is that, you know, a question does arise that even the Holy Prophet, on whom uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to do istighfar, used to repent. And you would ask that he was, you know, the perfect example yeah. of man. And he, there's, there's no example, there's no narration, there's no uh, record in history where he had sinned. So why did right. he commit istighfar? Yeah. The answer for this is that by him, you know, doing istighfar and repenting, it saved him from any future or anything that could get in the way or elude him towards sin. What a beautiful teaching that is. Yeah. That even complete, if you, isn't it? It's a complete it's, teaching. It's a complete teaching that it doesn't just uh, ask for uh, forgiveness of your previous sins, mm. or rather, it protects you from committing sins in you know in the future or right. sins that may come towards you that God will cover them and keep them away from you. That is what istighfar is in Islam, and it's a yeah. very very beautiful teaching. And by reciting the istighfar prayer daily in in your prayers and just you know in your whereabouts whilst you're walking whilst you're traveling. Islam teaches, you know, the constant uh, remembrance of Allah the Almighty and constantly uh, praying and thanking Him and saying istighfar and repenting. And all these teachings and all these different things which we include in our lives, ultimately, 
helps us gain nearness to Allah the Almighty and keeps us away from sin. And for a better community, for a better society, whether it is a Muslim dominant uh, majority community or if it's a Christian majority, by by acting upon these teachings of Islam, we can make the wider society a better place and a more peaceful place and a and a place where more righteous people and people with good morals abide. Absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, I'll just uh, conclude with this discussion with uh, with a saying. Of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I mean, there was someone who narrated that he, whichever gathering that he used to be in, he used to perform istighfar or seek repentance from Allah the Almighty uh, more than seventy times in any sort of gathering. And just with you know this beautiful example, we can understand that with his example, his perfect example, if the whole you know the whole Muslim nations around the world and even non-Muslims, if they acted upon these teachings, the whole world would be a much, much better place. Um, thank you so much uh, for, for for speaking to us and discussing with the essence of prayer, the third condition of birth, and uh, enlightening uh, the, the listeners about this uh, as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, it was a pleasure, as always, for speaking on the Voice of Islam. Jazakallah. Now, the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has said that it is said in Hadith, you know, the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that if prayer had been ordained to the people of Noah, peace be upon him, they would not have been ruined. He says that Hajj, which is the you know the the holy the holy pilgrimage, and we're going through those days. Or we just went through those days as, as, as well. Hajj is obligatory, but with certain prerequisites. So is fasting, and zakat. But the obligation to offer prayer has no prerequisite. All other obligations are discharged once a year, but the prayer, which is you know salat in Islam, is ordained five times a day. As long as the prayer is not performed in accordance with all its requirements, it does not earn the blessings that it carries. Such allegiance without discharging these obligations is not of any benefit. And this is the reason why um, we are talking about this uh, as well, because the, the promised Messiah upon whom we peace didn't bring anything new, just like we just, like we just heard from our guest. Um, he came to revive the true teachings of Islam. And one of the five pillars of Islam is actually prayer, is salat. Hmm. And prayer, uh, he, he, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Prophet Messiah upon whom be peace, then further says that prayer is obligatory on every Muslim. It is narrated in hadith, you know, again, the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that some people accepted Islam and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, please release us from the obligation of prayer because we are traders because we tend to cattle and sometimes we are not even sure about the cleanliness of our clothes and we're so busy and we do not have the time the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him turned around and said take heed if there is no prayer there is nothing faith without worship is no faith at all wow so it doesn't matter how busy you are we yeah. we heard the fourth <coughs> caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, as Mr. Tahira, may Allah have mercy on him. In the beginning of the show, we, we we played an audio clip of his, where somebody asked him that you know you know sometimes we become busy in this modern lifestyle, 
especially nowadays mm-hmm. um, we're so busy that you know it's fine to it's fine to get time it's fine to even search for a little bit of time to pray but the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said that you know if there's no prayer then there's then that sort of then that if there's no worship if there's no prayer then that that faith is not a real faith yeah if you're not connecting with the supreme the higher being Allah the almighty who created you hmm. then you know and that's the sole purpose of your creation as yeah. well we, we we need to reiterate that as well yeah. you know say let's say a computer right if a computer mm. is not doing what you tell it to do mm-hmm. if it's not working properly you're either going to fix it hmm. but if you even after fixing it if you can't fix it you're going to throw it in the bin and you're yeah. going to get a new one yeah i mean that's the same thing for us as well if we if we're constantly being reminded we need to pray we need to pray we need to pray and if we constantly don't do that then you know just like the narrations of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him that's the first thing that we're going to be asked yeah. on the day of judgment as well so if you if you if you succeed in that then well and good but yeah. if you if you have some deficiencies then you know we need to try and open up our eyes in this world before you know before we actually go into the next world as well before it's too little too late as well definitely and, and this is why it's important isn't it it is important because uh, you know all the prophets they have they have prayed to god almighty mm, yeah and they you know they showed a, an example that look not only myself can connect with god yes yeah. god communicates with me directly but you also can uh you you also can communicate with god almighty in different ways yeah. and this will make you certain that god indeed exists the god that have sent the prophets and the god mm. who has sent and who has created the whole uh, the universe yeah. right exactly exactly so we're coming towards the end of our show uh, for this afternoon hopefully you must have enjoyed it as well today's show was uh, produced uh, by Kafia Ahmed and Munahil Nasir Zakala thank you to them and of course to the uh, technical department Akib Ahmed and uh, Zakaria Sheikh it's a pleasure to present alongside you until next time assalamu alaikum wa